You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Thank you all for being here. It's a bit of a departure tonight. We usually have uh, two authors reading from a novel or a short story. And um, tonight we have one author, and we have another kind of creature that's sort of familiar to me, but um, (laughs) perhaps not familiar. (laughs) Perhaps not familiar to you. This guy has been a reviewer, an anthologist, an editor, a publisher, a graphic novel, um, comic book um, artist, uh, not an artist, but a comic book writer and reviewer, and has had one of those um, careers in the genre that uh, are quite familiar to old hacks like myself. And um, I asked him what he was going to do tonight. but he wouldn't tell me. So <laughs> I give you Rick Claw. Hi, welcome. Before we start, I'm curious about something. Is How come we're not watching King Kong? <laughs> it's a great screen. It'd be great. I could have, we could have gone through the whole thing. But so It's a great old theater. Yeah, it's a great movie. So, But um, actually, they, they asked me to come in here and talk. And I could have done a reading. But who really wants to hear an editor read? So I decided I was going to talk a little bit about what actually what what editors do. What do we do when we put an anthology together? And actually, and then I started thinking, you know, actually what it is, it's world domination. <laughs> it's all the same, okay? And you have these steps that you go through as an editor when you're putting together an anthology that just like you do when you're a world conqueror. You know, Napoleon sat around, he had to come up with these ideas and so you have to have a plan, something that you're going to put together. For example, when I came up with the eight book, it originally was posted, it was conceived as a collection of 20 stories and three essays. The final was 17 stories and four essays. And of the four st- 17 stories, only 13 were in my original proposal. Um, and there were stories that I couldn't put in the book, like uh, I couldn't get the rights to The Voices of Time by J.G. Ballard or The Albino Gorilla by Tao Calvino. I would love to have had Tao Calvino in my book, but it, that's a whole different story. So, and then I'd also recently just did a book for a group called Fact out of Austin, Texas. Uh, Fact is the Phantom Association of Central Texas, and I did a book of original science fiction stories by Texas authors. And I pitched that story, that anthology, originally as a reprint essay of like a survey of the best of sci- Texas science fiction. Uh, you all probably don't know, Texas has a long literary tradition. Things like cyberpunk emerged from Texas. And of course you have Robert E. Howard. Um, from Texas, and there's this whole genre, Texas. Um, so, but they came back and said, hey, we want you to do an original anthology, and I'm not an idiot. I said, oh, that'd be great, because I get paid more money. <laughs> and, uh, and I could take over the world that way. <laughs> so, the next step you gotta worry about is knowing your enemy. And what I mean by this, and I'm not talking about the guy over there with a the gun who could stop you, or the armies, I'm talking about your publisher. <laughs> publisher, bookstores, and buyers, those are your enemies. You have to figure a way to outsmart them to get them to buy your book. For example, with Tachyon, when I, they originally rejected the eight book. I just think, oh, Rick, it's, it's sitting right here. How'd this happen? Well, I talked to Jacob, and I'm a, kind of a, I, I can be very convincing. And so he and I chatted, and he chatted, and he's telling me what he thinks an anthology should be, and what, what an anthology is going to be like. And I said, you mean like I pitched to you? 
he's just telling me how he likes anthologies that have contemporary older authors and contemporary writers and people that are not in genre. And I was like, well, that's what I did with the ape book. And then I started talking to him about the rise of the Planet of the Apes and how you know they're going to make new ones and how apes have always been popular. And he was like, oh. And so finally, we decided to do the book, obviously, because it's sitting here. Now he's sitting there going, well, I'm never doing a damn book with you again. <laughs> he didn't know, I, you know. Um, so and also, so also, I was able to do my book. There was no accident that originally, sorry, Gustav Bear and Kafka are both in this book, and I'm proud to say it's probably the only book ever to have Edgar Rice Burroughs and Gustav Bear in this under the same pages. <laughs> um, the Flaubert story is actually a story he wrote when he was 17, and I think this is either the second or third time it's been reprinted in English, and I got it freshly translated. It's easily the creepiest story in the book, is by Fla by Flaubert. Um, so there was that, and also, so we moved along. So now you got to know your resources and your allies, and that's knowing who you know, you know, who's got the guns I can use, who's going to help me when I invade. So in 20 plus years of writing and editing, I've developed a real network of people that I can rely on. So when I was doing this book, I wanted to have um, Rupert Wyatt, who directed *Rise of Planet of the Apes*, to do the introduction, or the forward, as the case may be. And people are like, you can't get Rupert Wyatt. I'm like, yeah, I can. So I, knowing my allies, I called Mar my friend Mark London Williams, who's in the audience here. Mark has worked in ho as a Hollywood reporter and had done an article about the special effects in Rise of Planet of the Apes. So I knew that he knew the people, his PR people. So I wrote Mark a letter, and Mark said, yeah, here's the people you, know, you need to know. So I wrote the PR people. Got the letter back and said, OK, we sent it on to Rupert. And you know, may have him, may not, who knows. Less than two hours later, I get an email from Rupert Wyatt saying, this sounds fantastic. Here's my phone number. Call me tomorrow. <laughs> so I call him, and he spends most of the time, after I tell him what the idea is, thanking me for including him in my book. I'm thinking, dude, you just did like one of the most popular movies of the year. But here you are thanking me. I was like, all right. So that moves me on to my next thing, which is an editor, just like when you're trying to conquer the world, you've got to not be afraid to take chances. Okay? When you're trying to conquer the world, don't do like invading Russia. That was a really stupid move by Napoleon. <laughs> but you have to take chances. You've got to go reach out, overextend. And, you know, when people say, that makes no sense, there's no logic in that, or that's not going to work, you've still got to try it. Rupert Wyatt was a good example of that. Early on in my editing career, my first two books, I have, in my first book I had a Lewis Shiner story, and in my second book I got a Joe Lansdale story. Um, I was a guy who nobody knew. I had no money. And here I was convincing these guys to do stories. And if anybody knows Joe Lanzo, convincing him to do a free story is like a minor miracle. <laughs> and uh, he did it. It was it's a great story. Um, and the reason I got it is because I was not afraid to ask. I'm not afraid to ask anybody anything. I'll call somebody up and say, hey, you want to be in my book? Or, you know, you want to go to lunch or whatever. Because all that's going to happen, the worst that's going to happen is they may say, no, thank you. I do not know a single creator, maybe you two are going to sit there and argue and say, no, no, that is going to be insulted if somebody asks them to do something. Nobody is ever insulted. Matter of fact, you're upset the other way around. If you don't get asked, you're like, well, how come they didn't ask me? You may not do it, but it's always nice to be asked. I mean, it's not insulting. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, that's bull. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now, it, it, it all depends on how you respond. If you go around, like, I've known editors who are no longer working, who some, they'll go ask, like, you know, they'll go talk to Lansdale and ask him, and he'll give him the whole song and dance about how he's too busy or whatever, and they'll go around bad-mouthing him, talking about what an asshole he is. Sorry about the language there, but, you know, what a jerk he is and how he doesn't want to help people. Those are the kind of people that don't get work anymore. 
that doesn't work. You say thank you, and then that's the end of it. And you ask them later, and then they may do it. And it's the same thing when you try to get allies when you're trying to invade a foreign country. Um, okay, you also got to be willing to set aside your friendships for the greater good. Sometimes you just got to toss people out, you know? You know, if Belgium's not helping you out, you just toss them to the side. You know, so, uh, you know, recently I did this book, you know, the Ray Guns book, Ray Guns Over Texas, the Texas book, and a good friend of mine gave me a story. And, of course, I'm not going to tell you who he is because, you know, I'm not, that's not the way it rolls. I rejected his story. It was awful, okay? <laughs> I, I rejected it. And um, we went out to dinner. He's friends with me and my wife. And we went out, and him and his wife, we all went out to dinner a couple weeks later. And his wife's like, I can't believe you rejected his story. How do you do that with your friends? And I was like, well, if my friends, they have to have enough respect. It was not like I called him and said, you can never work for me again. Matter of fact, I invited him to do another story, which he didn't do, and that's his decision. And late, it's a couple of months later, where <laughs> he and I are going out to lunch, and he's like, you know, I read that story I sent you. Good call. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, hey, he had a lot more respect for me, because here I was, I was willing to do it. Um, Back in the dark ages of my editing, I edited a book called Weird Business, which is a 420-page hardback comic anthology, a graphic novel anthology. And I had these big, com big um, horror writers and fantasy writers. And at the time, it was the largest comic of original material done. It was, like, I think, 95 or 96 when it came out. And it had 56 creators in it. And the story that took me a year and a half to put the book together. I coded it with Lansdale, but if you've ever done anything with Lansdale, you know I did all the work. Um, I fired... I fired five creators on that book. While is I was a working creator on the book. an artist or a writer? Both. Creators is a generic term. I mean, it's just somebody who creates something. Uh, right. So I, I fired five people because they didn't keep up to do the work. And for the betterment of the book, friend or not, I even fired a person on my own story. You, you get rid of them because you've got to get your work. You've got to get the project done. It doesn't matter if they're your friend or not. You know? Um, and then the most important part, which you all are probably well aware of now, you had to have a heavy toast of megalomania. <laughs> Just like you know, just you know, just like Napoleon, you got to be willing to take a chance, invade, and say, you know what, hell right, I'm I'm right. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So when I do an anthology, I'm the Lord and Master. Okay, it's it, you know, I'm open to opinions, and I have advisors, people I talk to, but what I want is what I want. Okay, and that's an important thing for an editor. You have to see that vision. Uh, when I did the eight book, I had the vision. I knew exactly what I wanted the book to look like, and it's really damn close. Um, every time I've done a book, I have this idea in my head. And I go, okay, this is what it is. And sometimes I can't express it to somebody else. But it, it's my way, and it's the way it's going to work. Um, and I don't say that like saying it makes it that I'm difficult to work with or i do not not willing to talk to people. I am. I listen to take opinions and, and, and weigh them. But it's, I won't allow somebody to tell me how to do it. You know, I, I know what I'm doing. Um, it was an anthology that uh, was talked to me about that where they wanted, the, they wanted to have final, they wanted approval on every story I put in the book. And I was like, no, I'll turn the book into you. I have final approval on the stories. And I'll turn the book in. If you don't like the book, that's different. That's, you know, that, that's fine. But don't, you can't sit there, because you, know, you can't have a group telling you how to do this stuff. Um, and I will say this, um, Tachyon was great to work with. I'm not just saying that because they sponsor us and they're here. But uh, they were, yeah. yeah, I know. They're all hiding down there. Oh, my God, I can't believe we invited him. Yeah. yeah be proud, Jill. It's all right. Uh, they, no, they were great. Uh, they really were. They worked with me, and, you know, we talked about different things. And I do have, you know, a strong personality, and I do have a tough of megalomania. I know this. It's okay. You know, brace your megalomania, your inner megalomaniac. It, you get things done that way. 
um, when you're sure of yourself, you know what you're doing, you'll get it done. You'll do it right. And that's really all I've got to say about editing. And uh, you should read my book. It's a great book, I've got to say. <laughs> it's my favorite book. Uh, actually, I don't expect everybody to like it as much as I do because it would be really scary. All right. If you all like this book as much as I do, you'd all be me, and I really wouldn't like that place. <laughs> I don't want to see me. I don't want to see a lot of me. I like people, and I like different opinions. But if you like half the book, I probably did a good job. But thank you. This guy's scaring me, so give him some. <laughs> you busy later, Terry? I got some stories. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.